So today we're going to be talking about the SFJ and we're going to be going into a little bit more detail as to what it's like to be an SFJ. Um, and with us today, we have Kenzie, Colby's wife, who is an SFJ, believe it or not. Um, we want to say hi to Kenzie. Hi, Kenzie. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So as we've discussed before, um, we will be interviewing at least one of each type of the eight physiotypes. And today is the SFJ interview. Um, so the SFJ in physiotype is local meta supiner, right, Alex? Right. Local meta supiner. Yes. Right. And generally, um, we discussed actually last episode, I think it was, or maybe the episode before, that local metas are high in conscientiousness if you're a big five person. Um, so that's generally SFJs or local metas will relate to uh, high in conscientiousness. Um, our interviewee is high in conscientiousness. Um, so basically, right, we're just going to kind of talk to Kinsey, ask her questions that reveal things about her being an SFJ, reveal things about her being local, about her being meta, about her being um, supine. Me and Alex are specifically going to choose quintessential. Is that the right word? Quintessential types. Yeah. Types that are obviously the type they are. Yeah. Yeah. We're not. We're not going to throw in any ringers here because that would kind of defeat the purpose of having a a type we're interviewing who's um <laughs> that doesn't support our theory. So we're just going <laughs> to be very biased here and choose the people that definitely are their type in our opinions. And Kinsey definitely is an SFJ. She definitely is a local meta uh, person. So um, we're happy to have her on. Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it'd be good to start with like an open-ended question. Uh, Kenzie, who are you? What do you do? What do you like? Okay. Take it away, Kenzie. Okay. Um, well, who are you? Man, <laughs> that's a deep question. It's not just what your profession is. Um, I work as a tax accountant, you know, and as an F SFJ, that feels like kind of obvious. But um, <laughs> I would say that I am fairly outgoing, um, but fairly cautious type of person, like your typical librarian, but like the outgoing version. Um I love details and numbers and people and um, my little nieces and yeah. <laughs> right. I think that was an excellent introduction. Um, <laughs> so is that what you think about me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, that's that's pretty much correct. The outgoing librarian, the <laughs> hyper conservative cautious outgoing librarian um so let's go into you being a um tax accountant um so do you feel that it's a good fit yes um my job is perfect for me because how i always think of it is like i'm kind of the mediator between people who don't understand tax law and um, helping them basically get their taxes filed properly. So I love that I can take something complex and help 
people on a very individual level. And I, one of my favorite details is like, it's a little bit like Snoopy, I guess, but like, I know all about their family, like their kids. So I know if they can take a college tax credit or I, I love just taking like the analytical side of me and the, um, the outgoing, like people lover, um, side and putting that all together. Yeah. So I feel like this is indicative of Kinsey being meta and FE, right? Because she's into the details and she's analytical, but it's also, if you can combine details and analysis and combine that with people, then, and serving uh, them and serving them, mm-hmm. <laughs> then, uh, <laughs> that makes sense, right? Yeah. I, in fact, I was going to say, it's, it's interesting that the choice of words that you use in saying that you enjoyed like taking something complex and breaking it down for people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously I'm asking for self-assessment here, but would you say that you're pretty good at making a complex topic easy for someone else to understand? Um, I would not say I'm the best at it. <laughs> um, it depends on how well I understand it and how much time I've spent with it. Colby is like the pro at that in general. Um, I can do that, but it, it takes a lot of introspection on my part. A lot of times um that's that's not my default i more like want to handle things for them and, and the explainer role is is not my typical role it's just like let me help you and do it for you is a little bit more me okay okay that makes sense yeah. that makes sense mm-hmm. i would agree kinsey's not particularly good at expressing herself <laughs> which which isn't no. very meta that's more of a meta trait not being good at expressing yourself so in all fairness, metas should be better at expecting themselves. Mm-hmm. And do you think you're average at expressing yourself or um, low average, a little above? I don't know. Like I, I express myself through emotions and I just want to like talk colors and feelings at people and have them understand understand a complicated point from that. So that's below average. <laughs> that's gotcha. Below average. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but um, my written my written communication is above average. Okay, your written communication. Because it's like the take time. Because you're very concise. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I want to keep on pulling this back to physiotype and MBTI and not forget why we're doing this. So we've kind of talked about your work. It makes sense, like an accountant, a tax accountant, that's a very meta thing because it's all about the details. And you're also dealing with people. So I would say it's an FE and meta thing. Um, Makes sense for an SFJ to have that kind of job. Um, We've established that maybe you're not great at expressing yourself i don't think you're bad you're just like maybe average and that's fine i mean there's variability in all types so there's an sfj friend of mine uh actually has expressed a very similar thing where like even to the point where like he feels frustration about how he's always trying to express himself and he's just never able to find the right words at the right time and i don't know maybe there's a pattern there i'm not sure that is interesting though i mean i think just having more emotion um makes it difficult because, I don't know, I, I feel like... If I do it in writing, honestly, like, it's like excellent. It's above average, probably. But the moment it's on the spot with talking and words, it, it starts yeah. to break down. Like, Kinsey and I are kind of opposites in this way. Like, I am of the belief that if you can't explain something, you don't understand it. Like, I genuinely believe that. And for Kinsey, that's just, that couldn't be further from the truth. Mm, It's medium, medium. It's medium from the truth, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Should we we move on to hobbies? Yeah, yeah. Any hobbies, Kinsey? 
I've always hated this question since I was like a little kid. I'm like, I don't know what my hobbies are. I guess my hobbies now would be mostly um, what cooking and entertaining and hiking. I don't collect stamps. So <laughs> do you think you'd still be cooking a lot if you lived alone, Kenzie? Like, do you think it's something um, you do because you enjoy or do you think it's something you do because you need to, but you also enjoy it? Does that make sense? Gotcha. Um, mm, I I do it because I enjoy it. Um, and I don't really like doing it when I'm busy or have a lot going on. So unless it's like going to be a stress relief. So I'm actually in a really bad habit of not cooking that much right now during the quarantine, like because Colby and I are both working from home and just doing a lot. Tax season's extended. That makes sense. That makes sense. So like... I, I feel like that that kind of fits more into hobby then because like people don't usually do their hobbies when they're stressed out. Yeah, it's more of a hobby. Any specific aspects of cooking that you enjoy more than others? Um, yeah, I really like so I, I don't I bet there's a lot of people who don't cook this way, but um, I visualize and plan a lot when I'm cooking, um, especially if it's something that I'm cooking for the first time. I'm going to think about how can I make it salty, sweet, bitter, spicy, sour? Um, I just like plan it really out and just like think about, oh, if I shred the cheese this way or slice the potato that way, what the result is going to be. So I, it's a lot of planning, which <laughs> I, I know not everyone's like that. That's definitely a me thing. Or, so that's that's pretty conscientious. Yeah. yeah. I, I have to say, I've never thought about the shape of the potatoes i was slicing <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> but they cook more evenly or like the texture might you might get a different taste and flavor or like where the sauce clings to the yeah it's a whole i, I mean that makes sense and I, again that fits a lot into like meta and uh thinking of specific properties of a thing mm -hmm. as you work through it so last episode we were tying in big five to physiotype and i actually had kinsey take the big five test before this interview is that and the test I failed? Yes, it is. <laughs> In extroversion, Kinsey scored 81. So that's 81 out of 100. That means she is more extroverted than 81% of people who took this test. So she's pretty darn extroverted. No, but I shy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> she also shy. Um, and then in neuroticism... She scored a 70, so she's more neurotic than 70% of uh, people who took the test. I'm honestly not surprised. Like, I feel like I would, I would have put a myself little low. higher. No. Yeah, <laughs> I would put myself higher as more neurotic. Yeah. And then um, she's quite agreeable. She scored an 80% on agreeableness, so she's more agreeable than 80% of people. Um. She's quite conscientious. She scored an 87% unconscientious. So she's more conscientious than 87% of people who took the test. <laughs> and then on openness, <laughs> you scored so low. 18% on openness. Like I scored like 98% and Alex scored like in the 90s too. And Kenzie oh scored gosh. 18. <laughs> so you are, you are less open than... Uh, 82% of the population. Yikes. Um, I'm like a vault baby locked down. Yeah. <laughs> and that's just 
Do you, do you agree with this assessment, Kenzie? Like, does this sound like you? Yeah, yeah. I would have thought I was slightly more open-minded, slightly more neurotic, maybe slightly less extroverted than that. Like, still extroverted for sure, but I'm surprised to see that I'm more extroverted than 81% of people. Right. And you you described yourself as shy. Were, were you just kidding? Or do you actually feel like a shy person? Um, I was I was just kidding. Um, yeah, I still would not. I don't know. It seems high, but only maybe by like a few points, like five to 10 points. I would I don't know. So of, of the three big five mm. um, dichotomies that we claim relate to physiotype. Um, there is a clear, strong correlation here in the way that we expected. So we would expect a local metasupiner to be very agreeable. Mm-hmm. We would expect a local metasupiner to be very conscientious. And we would expect a local metasupiner to be low in openness. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I was happy to see her results. Um, mm-hmm. They weren't surprising. And they also fit in with physiotype quite nicely. Yeah, I have to agree. Your agreeableness seems to be quite high. Do you feel like you get along well with most people? Yes, especially on a like friend and an acquaintance and stranger level. Um, I guess my probably my biggest thing is where I'm maybe not as agreeable and start having problems with others is on a very close knit circle. So like my close family or whoever lives with me um some of my agreeableness like can maybe break down a little bit some of that familiarity i'm like very blunt and maybe too blunt and too honest with like the inner (laughs) circle (laughs) well i think i think kinsey's kinsey's high conscientiousness creeps into yeah morals and desired norms Mm -hmm. and so that will often her, her high conscientiousness will combat her agreeableness because mm-hmm. she'll think, oh, this isn't right. That person shouldn't be doing that. Mm-hmm. This is the right way to do it. And this is wrong. So even though I'm very agreeable, I'm going to be disagreeable in that moment. So there's definitely moments where yeah. the, her conscientiousness and her, her agreeableness is certainly fighting. It's like the priority level shifts. It's like, um, I'm going to be okay with them being possibly upset at me because this is more important. And I mean, again, like like we've said before, we wouldn't expect a person who's supine to never disagree with someone and in fact i think it does make sense that the more familiar you are with someone the more comfortable you are going to be with maybe doing something that's not your default in a in a more social setting the next one is what types you get along well with kinsey so kinsey um like some of our guests but probably not others kinsey knows a lot about physiotype she knows a lot about mbti she's very into it obviously i talk to her about physiotype a lot so she's already quite familiar with um the types um, so th- this question doesn't require much prompting, um, cause I think Kinsey already kind of knows, uh, what types you get along well with Kinsey, um, mm-hmm. yeah. MBTI and physiotype. Yeah. Um, well, I get along well with my own type. So SFJs, I get along well with NTPs. Um, historically all, I, I think almost all of my closest best friends through the years ever since I was a little kid have been ISFPs. So SFPs that are very on on the quiet side, very introverted. Um, I love STPs. I I get along with most types fairly easily in general. 
um, I think. But yeah, just like anyone, there's certain things that get on my nerves. Why Why do you think you get along so well with ISFPs? I don't know. I think it's the complementarity of, of our relationship. Um, all my best girlfriends are ISFPs. My mom was an I or is an ISFP. Um, my brother and my sister are both SFPs. Um, so I guess that's what I am most used to. And yeah, it's a good compliment to my personality. It's, you know, a type that's more spontaneous, a little more introspective, whereas like I'm not in my head at all about the things that they are. They've got a moral compass, which is great because I don't, I just follow rules. <laughs> so. <I know. laughs> so if they give me rules from their moral compass and I can just follow it and be like, yeah, this is great. No, I'm just kidding. That's, <laughs> but sort of. <laughs> no, I think, I think that's a good answer. I would say Alex, you asked why does she get along well with ISFPs, mm-hmm. and I, I pretty much just, I think that's it's just us reaching for reasons that aren't there. I mean, if physiotype is real, then there's no reason she gets along with ISFPs. It's just biological. It's just. I think uh, I bring them out of their shell. It's chemistry. It's uh, it's um, no reason at all. Oh, that's dumb. <laughs> I don't know about that. Just kidding. No, I mean, <laughs> I think. I think I I think I agree. Of course, that is biological, but I think I don't think she's gonna get along well with like an ISFP that's like in a coma, not saying anything or doing anything. But I think she would though. I think if if Kinsey looked at pictures of like ISFPs and then looked at pictures of like her most hated type, whatever that is, <laughs> she would like she would be like, oh yeah, I better get along good with ISFPs. So I, I just. I'm being a little extreme, but I just want to bring this back around to physiotype and be like, physiotype causes these, uh, these, these things as well. What would you call your biggest problems when interacting with others? Oh, I kind of talked about this already. Um, I have a very, very strong inner desire for everyone in my inner circle to thrive and flourish and live up to their potential. And I don't mean that in a bad way, (laughs) like their potential, meaning that they're underperforming or something, but we can all grow. And so my biggest hurdle is not like, I'm always kind of pushing people to grow um, in my inner circle. And yeah, and maybe to see things the way I see them and to align with the way that I think so I, I push hard on that in my inner circle. Do you agree, Coles? Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of a new realization for me that just came out this very second. Because hmm. I'm not introspective in that way. Well, uh, me and Alex will bill you. Yeah, this is good therapy. I love it. <laughs> okay, what are your biggest pet peeves? Uh, biggest pet peeves. Broken things, as you know. <laughs> um i'm feeling attacked right now (laughs) i like how she's looking you in the eye every every sentence (laughs) no i don't even mean it toward him but um i am someone who cares so much too much all the time and so when people don't care like i understand people having different opinions on things but if you just don't care that like offends me (laughs) so apathy Yes, 
I think, is that right? Tell, ab- fill it in. Absolutely, yeah. I think one of the reasons why you don't like carelessness or broken things or like things mm-hmm. going wrong is you have an, an extremely extended ego in the like psych 101 sense of the word ego. Not egotistical to ego, but just ego. Um, and I think that makes sense with metalocals is they extend their identity. It's not like you have an identity as much as maybe like SFPs like to think of their identity, but your identity becomes the things you have and um, the relationships around you. And it's a very holistic identity. I feel like that you have, would you disagree or like compare it to me? Like Mm -hmm. you are affected by things going wrong around you more than I am. Why is that? I think it's because, you know, you, you extend yourself like, and that's kind of like an FE thing too. Like you, yeah. you care about the relationships around you, even the buildings around you, that hole in the wall, you care about it. I don't know. Just throwing this out here. What do you think? I think that's true. And then, but as soon as you say it, I can also think of the exact flip side of situations where, where we're the exact opposite on that and things are going wrong. I'm able to stay cool as a cucumber and, um, <laughs> cucumbers, um, but you're maybe <laughs> like more aggravated. There's oh yeah, I'll definitely what's, what's like I'll definitely like flip out if I <laughs> if I drop something or if there's not pepperoni on the pizza. Like that that has nothing to do with like me extending my ego. That's just me being extremely neurotic and having yeah mental problems. Like and that's just like <laughs> you know I'm 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 very angry for like three seconds and I'm over it. It's a it's coming from a much different place. It's a worse. Gotcha. It's certainly a worse quality than yours, but it's is coming from a much different place. Okay, so you don't care as much when things break as Kenzie does. No. Oh, certainly not. I mean, like sometimes when I'm inconvenienced, I'll get very upset for a short amount of time. Yeah, inconveniences um, drive him. Yeah. Up the wall. And so Kenzie, Kenzie doesn't mind getting inconvenienced. Mm. So really, about me, it's being inconvenienced that makes me angry, and then. For what makes Kenzie angry or disturbed is like things around her suffering or breaking, like. But mostly at the hands of carelessness. So if, if you know, like a car accident where everyone did their best, like you know, that does not freak me out. I'm like, I'm fine. But if like someone was being careless and like whipping a towel around the room and it broke a vase, like. That would drive me up the wall. But if the same Okay, so that was a very specific example. (laughs) And lots of our (laughs) listeners are going to think that she's talking about this happening. This This is not specific. Can you just please let our listeners know this was a hypothetical situation? That's hypothetical. (laughs) But then the exact same situation, like if a little kid, um, like one of our little nieces or something, was to like walk by and we had been watching them all night and for some reason like they tipped it over and it was just total accident and not really carelessness that wouldn't bug me but just the carelessness. so it's it's like you don't like it when bad things happen that could have been prevented yes yes but if the bad things happen and it's just kind of like well that's just chance it's not as upsetting to you nearly correct 100 yeah i think that's because you well yeah there's a lot of we could go really into that control but, your yeah. controllables like why would you let the things that you can control be out of control like control those and let th- the rest can go like whatever they those things happen yeah so as an sj do you feel mm-hmm. like you have a problem with control um, because there's let's be honest here lots of you know physiotype sometimes bas- bashes sfjs and stjs and says that they're a little bit of control freaks 
or they're a little bit judgmental, which are those are almost those are slightly connected things. How do you feel about how that relates to you? Is that a complete myth or? Yeah, I, I guess it depends. Um, I would say that to me, it feels normal and rational, but I can see when I look around at everyone else's faces and what they tell me that my control, my need for control is higher than normal. <laughs> <laughs> I've gotten better with age too. I've softened, but yeah, no, I don't think you're particularly bad at it. I definitely think that you struggle with those kind of issues just because you are an S- SJ. We all have our own issues. Mm-hmm. I don't think you're particularly bad at it, but I, I can see it something that you've have definitely overcome. And no, it's one fair. of your very few qualities that is influenced by, you know, SJ that I've seen you struggle against and overcome. Well, and, and here, if I could circle back to what we were saying earlier about like my hurdles with um, interpersonal relationships and me pushing, like a lot of times people will read that and interpret that and feel that as me trying to control them. Whereas I'm don't feel that way at all. I feel like I'm trying to in inspire them and but I'm but I because I'm an SJ and not an NFJ, it just it comes out controlling, even though in my head I'm just helping them be their best, but because I don't have that softness and persuasiveness of an NFJ, it comes out a little bit brash. Well, I, I wouldn't say that NFJs want people to do their best either. <sighs> they have a they have a component about that for sure, personally. Today's episode is sponsored by Patreoners. Uh, why join the Patreon? Some reasons to join Patreon are for the first look access to our research and our articles. We've got a few posts on there right now that we don't have anywhere else. Whenever we or whenever we upload a footnote to an episode, it goes to Patreon first before any place else. Now, if you are not in a position to join Patreon at this time, don't worry, don't fret. Everything that's on Patreon makes its way to the subreddit or to our blog or to the main RSS feed for this podcast. But if you're on Patreon, you get to see it first. You get to talk about it first. Please, if you can help us out, join us on Patreon. And if not, then we're just happy you're listening. All right. Thank you again to all our Patreoners. Okay, so Kenzie, we're going to move into the more philosophical realm. It's not going to be as much about you as much as it is about um, your worldview now. So you've heard this question before, um, but I wanted to do it on air. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Um, which there, I'm going to give you two statements. Which one do you feel is more true and why? Statement number one, everything is connected, yet all of it unique. Or statement number two, everything is distinct, yet all of it the same. Well, I'm not going to give the answer that I'm supposed to for my type because you've pulled me on this before but for me it's actually the first one everything is connected but unique and I know that doesn't fit my profile but maybe it's because I have so many SFP friends also we've only tested this question on like five people so well your answer is your answer is wrong but I I would love to hear your uh no I'm just kidding no (laughs) would you care to expand upon that what does that mean to you um this is a fairly open question Give give me some of your thoughts Oh, um, 
you know, this kind of question is like murder for me. Because you're local. Yeah, that's a very universal question, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, this is rough. Yeah, this is even this is this is a great example too of <laughs> me asking an extremely universal question and Kinsey being like, struggling to see the utility or point of it. <laughs> okay, so let's pick two things. Pick any two things and explain how they're connected yet unique. Okay. Uh, right in front of me, I have a pen and a notepad, and they are not the same, but together they are better. They work together. Paper without pen is just blank. Pen without paper can't add anything. Excellent example. Love it. Thank you. That was not prepared. Do you feel a similar way about like a more, um, I guess, some more detached things? Like, would you would you see a similar kind of thought process comparing like, I don't know, a plant to a book? Like, do you find yourself make drawing connections in that sense too? Um, I no, no, probably not. I mean, I know the connection. Like, plants can be trees, and trees make can be made into paper. Um, but no, I don't like see or feel or think about some kind of like intrinsic connection or spiritual connection between those things. I don't, it's not. So we'd like to ask you now about universal local preferences. Um, you know what universal and local mean. Local. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, do you think you're more universal or more local? I am definitely more local. I wish I could be more universal. Um, uh, can I just explain my version of, oh, okay, oh yeah, I just cool. So to me, um, when I think universal, I'm thinking big picture and local, I'm thinking details. So I am all about the details. It's like with being a tax accountant, I've got all my little tax laws in my head, all categorized. Um, it is harder for me and it is a struggle sometimes to see the big picture of things and I see other people can really excel in it and but that is a struggle for me to not just go about and do all the little things I'm supposed to do and then step back and see the bigger picture and um make sure that the big picture works and is you know where I want to go or what I want to accomplish you know you were saying that you wish you could be a little bit more universal but like do you wish you could be more universal in the way that you'd be willing to trade off some of your localness to be more universal? Or are you happy with where you are? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, it would be really hard for me to give up my, my localness because it sort of feels like a superpower sometimes, like being able to focus on details and, and be local. It, it feels like a superpower compared to some people. Like, for instance, Colby, he's talked about um, how he's so universal that he's practically handicapped. Like, I I like my strength of being local. I just also want the strength of being universal, but not at the detriment of the thing that I already love that I can do. I would like to bring up, I feel like you, like me, are conflating a little bit mm. local with meta. Am I? Which sometimes I do, yeah, because you keep on bringing up details, and there can be universal details. Do you ever feel like you confuse... Um, our definition of local with our definition of meta or am I just reading into something? I might be. I mean, you tell me. Um, yeah. When I, when I say details, I, I guess I do mean it's, it's where you talk about like chunk down versus chunk up. Like 
Yeah. Um, it's just correct like, me. I'm extremely universal, but I'm also extremely detail oriented. So, so when, you know, when we're talking about local here in this context, I guess what we're trying yeah. to say is specific. Like you were saying before, specificity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I probably, I probably just read into what you said more, but I just wanted to get your thoughts on, on the differences between local universal and meta mesa. But, um, and I guess I could talk about local just as far as like the things I see, the things that are immediate, my surroundings, um, versus maybe universal things, things that are more abstract as well. I mean, details almost are inherently more local, but whatever. Sorry, I keep on going down this rabbit hole at inappropriate times. <laughs> we should just move on. Okay. Can we just move on to meta messa, <laughs> Kinsey? Sure. Okay, so do you think of yourself as more meta or more messa? I am meta. So to me, I think of meta and messa as meta is practically a robot <laughs> and Mesa is an animal. <laughs> I know. Like Meta is like computer <laughs> processes. Mesa is like an instinctual animal, like in the best ways and the worst ways. And same with Meta. Um, it's a computer in the best ways and in the worst ways. And I'm definitely more like the computer. Um, I'm removed somewhat from my body or myself. I'm like what Colby was saying before about like my ego. Like I'm not like, I wouldn't consider myself like centered inside this body. I'm like more like looking at myself from a distance. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah. So sense. you're, you're aware of what you look like. You're aware yeah. of what you're doing. You're more like you always have the kind of this third person view of yourself in your head a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, a mess up person doesn't do that as often. And they definitely feel like just this uh, no face, you know, uh, this person who's just staring out from their body and are part of their body. When I see them, like when I see messes, like so my like SFP friends, obviously, total 100% messa and I'm 100% meta. I see them just like in the moment going with the flow on the dance floor and totally unaware. Whereas I'm like looking at them like, Ooh, what are the cool dance moves that we're all supposed to be doing right now? Let me try to do this and see if I look cool, but they're just <laughs> totally feeling it. And I'm like copying or observing or does that? I, I love it. Yeah. I think that's a yeah, great yeah. explanation of who you are. I agree. Um, I think you are very white. That's rude. <laughs> Take it back. <laughs> you're almost as white as me adding adding to the dancing thing um I, I i feel like si especially like does really well or is way more comfortable with like choreographed dancing like line dances and things like that give us a plan and we will follow it give us some rules my gosh <laughs> yeah please <laughs> um prone supine so not just knowing your type, but do you feel like you're more prone or more supine? Um, I would consider myself middle of the road. Um, I know you called me supine and my type is te technically supine. I would consider myself in between prone and supine. Um, but then when you guys were, did your podcast recently on prone versus supine, I like the, when you were, taking it into very common context, I could see a lot of how I'm supine. 
as far as like not taking action. Can you remember a specific example? Um, maybe you guys can remind me, but there was some things about like not taking action or. Um, well, yeah, I think I definitely agree with you that you're in the middle of the road because you're definitely a very good follower. Mm-hmm. You're not comfortable in leadership positions. No. So those are supine things, but then you're also fairly disagreeable and um, that's obviously prone. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like there are certain times where like I've got goals and I'm going to push through and make them happen. Um, even if it kind of like turns over the apple cart a little bit. Yeah. Once again, it's conscientiousness fighting your supineness, I feel like in certain ways. Mm-hmm. We've talked before about you being more of a prone subtype, like, even your eyebrows, they're not they're not exactly the most supine eyebrows in the world. Mm-mm. No, they aren't. No, not at all. It is interesting, though. It is interesting that you relate, you still relate a lot with supine when it comes to leadership roles, even if you don't relate as much with the agreeableness aspect. Oh, definitely with leadership. Yeah, I've always been like, I've always been like, I will be the number two person. I will be their right hand man. Like, it's just a really comfortable spot for me. And it's really funny. My my little niece, who's like six, she's an SFJ, and she she was just telling us like what she wants to be when she grows up. And she's like, I want to help animals. Like, I want to be a veterinarian, but not a veterinarian. I want to be the helper. Like, she wants to be the she wants to be like the second person, like the person who helps the veterinarian. She doesn't want the responsibility of being the veterinarian. And that's how <laughs> I feel. <laughs> that's funny. Um, I, I I relate to that too, actually. In that like. Again, like uh, last episode, we talked about our big fives and I rated somewhat in the middle with agreeableness, but it's definitely when it comes to leadership roles, like mm, someone else do it. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you if you're doing it right or wrong, but you do it kind of thing. Like, Yeah. In my profession, like I've had clients over the years, like ask me, hey, when are you going to start your own business? And I'm always just like, uh, no, pass. And I like you know, I'll, I'll throw around the idea, but ultimately I'm like, I just really want to help someone else run their business and like give them all my feedback and help them accomplish what they want to. But I can go home and not have that like heavy crown on my head and I can kind of, yeah, that responsibility is just more than I want <laughs> because I'm, I maybe because I'm already overly conscientious and way neurotic that I'm just like, Oh, that would be so much stress. Like, because I would take that leadership on. If I took that on, it it would be almost oppressive to me because of my neuroticism oh. and my conscientiousness. Here's a here's a question. I'm not sure we'll want to ask every interviewee this, but since you're very familiar with SFJs and physiotype, mm-hmm. uh, what do you think the difference is between male and female SFJs? I think there's a large difference mm-hmm. in SFJs between male and female. And how would you, you know, talk to us about that and how, how you feel that they're different? I'm so glad you asked because my, that's actually what was in my head. I was just starting to turn over in my head. Um, big difference between the SFJ men and I know, and the SFJ women, um, the SFJ men love the leadership. Um, they, they step right into it. Um, it's comfortable for them. And not as much with the SFJ women. I think it's because, I mean, my guess would be that as a strong SI type, we really like 
the gender roles and very traditional, oftentimes there's obviously exceptions, but um, just a traditional gender role, like those archetypes of being, um, you know, a leader versus being the submissive one. I think those are very firmly ingrained oftentimes in, in SFJs. Um, but yeah, I see, I see the men being not having those same hangups about leading that I have because I've worked for, I've worked for SFJ men. So. And do you think, uh, SFJ men are more or less meta than women? I think they are less meta. I think on average, women are more meta than men, right? Women are more local and more meta always. I mean, on average throughout all types, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, definitely more meta on average. Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not so sure about the local. I haven't thought about that so much. But definitely definitely seen it in the meta. I I'm only close with one SFJ guy, but he's definitely not as meta as you. He's very FE, he's and he's, you know, he's very quintessential SFJ in other ways, but he's much less conscientious and I shouldn't say a lot less meta, but he's a little bit less meta, for sure. I think uh, we covered all of our material, but Kinsey, do you have anything you want to add or any other subjects we should bring up? Yeah, I just wanted to go into um, how a basic tax return is prepared. Um, So you start by... (laughs) 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 Oh, wrong Uh... podcast. Sorry, guys. (laughs) Thank you for coming on, Kenzie. You are welcome. No worries. Thanks, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. If you have something to say and you'd like to uh, give us some feedback, please leave a review for us in any of the podcasting apps that you listen with. It helps us help you. Also, leaving a review helps us get noticed by the algorithm so we can reach even more people like you. And if you don't have the time or you aren't able to write out a full review for us, that's fine. Just click whatever star rating you think we deserve and we will be more than happy with that. Thank you again, guys. See you in the next episode.